Welcome to Podcast Homilies for Morning Prayer. I'm Father Ron Shibley, founder and director of the Anglican Internet Church, Inc. This new series is part of the AIC's continuing celebration of its second decade on the web. These podcast homilies for morning prayer are based on the appointed psalm readings in the list of psalms and lessons for the Christian year found on the prayer book pages X to XLI, primarily using the first pairing, which always includes a gospel reading as the second lesson. The second or third pairings of psalms and lessons are used only where necessary to avoid repeated use of the same psalm. Other variations from these general guidelines are pointed out in individual podcasts. Each podcast homily in this series includes a reading of the full text of the appointed psalm or psalms, followed by commentary on key words, phrases, or concepts. Special attention is paid to examples of the study discipline of Christology, which looks for pre-incarnation appearances of or references to Christ in the Old Testament. Since Jesus quoted from it so often in the Gospel accounts, the book of Psalms is often called Christ's Prayer Book. Each of these podcast homilies includes summary commentary on the first and second lessons appointed in the lectionary. Listeners to these podcast homilies are strongly encouraged to visit the Father Ron's blog page on the AIC website, which is accessible using the tabs at the top and bottom of all pages. For this first podcast, I have posted four illustrations on the subject matter of the podcast for First Sunday in Advent. First, an illumination in colors and gold on parchment from the spectacular Stuttgart Psalter, produced circa 820 in the scriptorium at Saint-Germain-de-Prix, Paris, a monastery associated with the Holy Roman Emperor Charlemagne. The book comes from the Württembergische Landesbibliothek Stuttgart, Germany. A page from Psalm 50 in the Bohun Psalter and Hours, published circa 1356 to 1373 from manuscript Egerton 3277 at the British Library, London, England. A circa 1148 drawing of the prophet Malachi from the Worms Gospel, manuscript Harley 2803, folio 286V, also from the British Library. And finally, an illumination of Luke the Evangelist from the Gospels of Otto III, CLM 4453, Bavarische Staatsbibliothek, Munich, Germany. Details concerning these sources are included with each illustration in the blog posting. Two further points of technical interest before I proceed to the psalm text. First, Since many of the images are derived from the Vulgate Bible, I take this opportunity to explain the difference in numbering between the Vulgate translation and the English system. In the Vulgate version, based on Jerome's 4th century translation, which became the official Bible of the Roman Catholic Church in the 16th century, Psalms 8 and Psalm 9 are a single psalm. This has the effect in the Vulgate numbering system 
of making all the sums from 10 to 150 off by one number. For example, Psalm 50, today's reading in the Book of Common Prayer, is Psalm 49 in the Vulgate Version. The second issue, presented here for those listeners not familiar with Anglican worship, is that the texts of the Psalter in the 1928 Book of Common Prayer are not the same as either the Vulgate Version or the Psalm text in the King James Version. The Book of Common Prayer translation, used since the first English prayer book in 1549 A.D., is derived from Miles Coverdale's Great Bible of 1539, the first official Bible in English which was commissioned by the Church of England. By the time the King James Version, commonly abbreviated the KJV, was published in 1611 A.D., and in which a new translation of the Psalter based upon the Hebrew Masoretic text, the Coverdale translation of 1539 was so well accepted and familiar to the English people who had heard it read in services by that point for over 70 years that the prayer book's editors retained the Coverdale text. All other scripture texts in the Book of Common Prayer used the 1611 KJV translation. Coverdale provided a helpful transition between the old Vulgate system and the prayer book version by including each psalm's opening word in Latin, and I'll use these in these texts. These still appear in the 1928 Book of Common Prayer Psalter and are helpful in comparing the Vulgate and Book of Common Prayer texts. The opening podcast homily in this new series is for First Sunday in Advent. With the publication of the 1549 Book of Common Prayer, Advent marked the start of a new church year. The name Advent comes from the 12th century Latin word Adventus, which literally means arrival, or in the Christian context, coming. Advent is a season of penitence and of preparation for two events, and not just a pre-Christmas observance. During the four weeks of Advent, penitent Christians prepare themselves for both his nativity, commonly called Christmas, on December, celebrated on December 25th, and for his promised second coming in judgment. For more on Advent season, including traditional colors and themes, watch episode one in the AIC seasonal video series, Advent, A Season of Penitence and Preparation, which is linked from the digital library page, or listen to the Holy Communion podcast homily for First Sunday in Advent, linked from the podcast homilies page. The season of Advent is also celebrated in the 12th century offices known as the Great O Antiphons, originally intended for use on each of the seven days ending with Christmas Eve. A modern version with theme music is available as a video series of the same name linked from the digital library page at www.anglicaninternetchurch.net. The psalm reading appointed for First Sunday in Advent is Psalm 50, 
which is a 23-verse psalm traditionally attributed to the four sons of Asaph, Zachor, Joseph, Nethaniah, and Azariah. In the Hebrew tradition preserved in the Book of Common Prayer, the psalms are divided into five books. Psalm 50 in this system is part of Book 2 and is designated for reading on the tenth day of the cycle. The title of Psalm 50, or first words rather in Latin, are Deus Deorum, which literally means God of Gods. The Lord, even the most mighty God, hath spoken and called the world from the rising up of the sun unto the going down thereof. Out of Sion hath God appeared in perfect beauty. Our God shall come and shall not keep silence. There shall go before him a consuming fire, and a mighty tempest shall be stirred up round about him. He shall call the heaven from above, and the earth that he may judge his people. Gather my saints together unto me, those who have made a covenant with me with sacrifice. The heavens shall declare his righteousness, for God is judge himself. Hear, O my people, and I will speak. I myself will testify against thee, O Israel, for I am God, even thy God. I will not reprove thee because of thy sacrifices. As for thy burnt offerings, they are always before me. I will take no bullock out of thine house, nor he goats out of thy fields. For all the beasts of the forest are mine, and so are the cattle upon a thousand hills. I know all the fowls upon the mountains, and the wild beasts of the field are in my sight. If I be hungry, I will not tell thee, for the whole world is mine, and all that is therein. Thinkest thou that I will eat bull's flesh? and drink the bud of goats? Offer unto God thanksgiving, and pay thy vows unto the Most Highest, and call upon me in the time of trouble, so I will hear thee, and thou shalt praise me. But unto the ungodly, saith God, why dost thou preach my laws, and takest my covenant in thy mouth? Whereas thou hatest to be reformed, and hast cast my words behind thee, when thou sawest a thief, thou consentest unto him, and hast been partaker with the adulterers. Thou hast let thy mouth speak wickedness, and with thy tongue thou hast set forth deceit. Thou saddest and spakest against thy brother, yea, and hast slandered thine own mother's son. These things hast thou done, and I held my tongue, and thou thoughtest wickedly, that I am even such a one as thyself. But I will reprove thee, and set before thee the things that thou hast done. O consider this, ye that forget God, lest I pluck you away, and there be none to deliver you. Whoso offereth me thanks and praise, he honoreth me, and to him that ordereth his way aright will I show the salvation of God. Psalm 50 includes many noteworthy verses important in the development of Christian theology. In verse 1, 
the four psalmists or sons of Asaph use first the Hebrew name of God as Lord, printed in the Book of Common Prayer as L-O-R-D in small capital letters, which is a replacement for the unspeakable name of God known by the Hebrew tetragrammaton Y-H-W-H, commonly spoken as Yahweh, and second by one of the many Hebrew titles of God, in this case, Most Mighty God. The phrase is similar to, but not identical, to Lord God Almighty, or El Shaddai in Hebrew, and Pantocrator in Greek. In the Anglican burial office, God the Father is addressed, O Lord God Most Holy, O Lord Most Mighty. The second half of the verse, the phrase from the rising up of the sun unto the going down thereof, appears again in modified form in Psalm 113, 3b. Among Roman Catholics and Eastern Orthodox Christians, these titles of God are included in the ancient Trisagion prayer in which God is called Holy God, Mighty God, Immortal God. In verse 3, our God shall come and shall not keep silence. There shall go before him a consuming fire, and a mighty tempest shall be stirred up round about him. The quotation refers to the concept of a consuming fire. This is the source of my theme for the podcast homily for Holy Communion in this whole season of Advent. And for more on that, see the podcast homily for First Sunday in Advent. In verse 12, the phrase, For the whole world is mine, and all that is therein, unquote, refers to the comprehensive reach of the power of the, quote, most mighty God, as he is called in verse 1. In verses 14 and 23, there are references to thanksgiving and praise. These may have been the inspiration for Archbishop Thomas Cranmer's inclusion of the phrase sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving in the canon of the Mass for Holy Communion in the 1549 Book of Common Prayer and still used today. It was published for the first time in 1549 in time for use on Whit Sunday in that year. For more commentary about Psalm 50 and a list of all its uses in the 1928 Book of Common Prayer, see the AIC Bookstore publication, The Prayer Book Psalter, History, Text, and Commentary, pages 117 to 119. The book also contains all 150 psalms, commentary on each psalm, and a glossary with cross-reference to psalm number and verse for every name, or person, or place, or geographical feature in the Psalter. My own katena, a Latin word meaning a prayer based on Scripture, based on Psalm 50, includes verses 1, 3, 4, 5, 7, 14, 15, 22, and 23, which I chose as the most important verses because the emphasis is on the twin themes of judgment and salvation. Once again, that's verses 1, 3, 4, 5, 7, 14, 15, 22, and 23. For more on the concept of the stages of prayer, 
the development of stronger personal prayer habits, and the writing of Katene, plus suggestions on how to write your own as part of your own program of spiritual defense against evil, see the AIC bookstore publication Christian Spirituality, an Anglican Perspective, especially Part 4. The first lesson appointed for First Sunday in Advent is Malachi 3, verses 1 to 6, and Malachi 4, verses 4 to 6. In the Western Church tradition, Malachi is the last book of the Old Testament where it serves as a transition into the themes and content of the New Testament. Verse 1 is a prophecy of the coming of John the Baptist, which, as you will hear again in the second lesson from the Gospel of St. Luke, supports the Christian understanding that John the Baptist's life was preordained by God for the preaching of repentance. John's form of baptism was intended to make the world ready for the coming of the long-expected Savior, or Messiah in Hebrew. Malachi's use of behold in verse 1 presages St. Luke's frequent use of the same word, to suggest a revelation of wondrous things yet to come. The theme of the second part of the reading, Malachi 4, verses 4 to 6, is preparation for judgment, which is also one of the common themes of the season of Advent. The second lesson for First Sunday in Advent is Luke 1, verses 5 to 25, St. Luke's unique account of the first of three angelic annunciations in the Gospel of Luke, in this case, to Zacharias. I discuss and illustrate this reading in episode 12 in the AIC Bible Study video series, New Testament Gospels, from the Bible Study page and in Chapter 1 in the AIC Bookstore publication, The Gospel of Luke Annotated and Illustrated, one of five volumes in our New Testament series. It is among the many unique contributions by St. Luke to the Christian understanding of the Incarnation. Only St. Luke offers us this explanation of the relationship between the Blessed Virgin Mary and her husband Elizabeth and her husband Zacharias. The phrase glad tidings in the reading can also be translated as gospel. I will continue the story in the podcast homily for Second Sunday in Advent and come back to St. Luke's narrative on the story of Zacharias and Elizabeth on Third Sunday in Advent. Zacharias is known by several other names in other translations. He is called Zechariah in the Vulgate version, prepared by St. Jerome between 391 and 407 A.D., and Zechariah with an E in the King James Version, prepared in the early 17th century. These Gospel readings are discussed and illustrated with historic church art mentioned in the opening paragraph in the bookstore publication, The Gospel of Luke, Annotated and Illustrated, Chapter 1. The illumination concerning the meaning of behold is illustration number two, which is found within the preface. Thank you for joining me for this first podcast of the new series, Podcast Homilies for Morning Prayer, on this occasion for First Sunday in Advent. The closing prayer is the original collect which Archbishop Cranmer wrote for the new church season of Advent in the 1549 Book of Common Prayer. 
Almighty God, give us grace that we may cast away the works of darkness and put upon us the armor of light. Now in the time of this mortal life in which thy Son Jesus Christ came to visit us in great humility, that in the last day when he shall come again in his glorious majesty to judge both the quick and the dead, we may rise to the life immortal through him who liveth and reigneth with thee and the Holy Ghost, now and ever. Amen. Until next time, may the Lord bless and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be merciful to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Glory be to God for all things. Amen. This program has been a presentation of the Anglican Internet Church, Inc. We invite you to visit our website and make use of its resources at www.anglicaninternetchurch.com. Dot net.